On the show, footy season is drawn to a close and we've got Port Adelaide legend Warren Treadray to discuss where our clubs are at. Mills and boom, Paddy leads Australia to victory against Team USA as Ben Stokes delivers Ashes heartbreak. That's all coming up next on The Press Box. Absolutely great to have your company as always here on The Press Box. Sam Tugwell here, Dale Fletcher over there and Dale... I'm what, here. What the hell? I'm here. Again. To our loyal listeners who tune in and always oh. look forward to hearing Jace Kemp's voice, he's not here again. No, oh, that's number three. Freaking that, hell. That's a farce. This is becoming an all-time farce. That's third time. Unlucky for him. Oh. Trust me. <laughs> three strikes, he's out, I reckon. He, well, he's out. He's gone. He's out. Delisted. No, it is de- delisting season. <laughs> <laughs> we love him too much. Um, bad luck uh, to all those who are looking forward to Jace. He's not on here with us tonight, but uh, he's had a big day. As of all of us on a Monday, it's been a huge day uh, for footy. Um, and uh, i tell you what, that's why we brought in the big super sub for today. And I think we really want to dive straight into all the footy, don't we, Dale? Oh, I think just bring in the super sub. <laughs> right. Bring in the sub rule. Bring <laughs> him in. Stuff it. All right. The, the, the vest is off. I speak of the man who's sitting right across from me as we speak. Um, Port Adelaide legend, uh, goal kicker um, at Port Adelaide for, for many, many years in the modern era in the AFL. And I'll tell you what, he's also now just making a huge impact here on 5AA and on Channel 9 uh, on telly every single night. I speak of... Warren, Gary, Treadray. Treaders, welcome to the show, mate. Hey, first and last time, it'll be good, boys. <laughs> oh, joking. Geez. That's joking. You don't geez. want to be a friend of the show? No, absolutely. I'll be a friend of anyone. I don't have too many, so it'll always be good. <laughs> Hopefully this works out all right. No enemies here. That's what it's about. Hey, mate, great to have you. Um, we're, we're in the 5 dollars studio. You sit in that very seat every single week. Uh, you're enjoying your first year here? Yeah, it was good. Um, it's sort of back to where it all started for me. So uh, I started, obviously, work at nine. I started at nine, did a cadetship back... In 2000, when I had a full head of hair, and I used to put that cap on and get the blonde tips before it all fell oh, out. So that happened a long time ago. And uh, my first radio, uh, probably contribution, was with KG and Cornsey back on Drive. Oh. Back in the day when I was playing at Port, we'd come in on a rotation, as you do as a youngster, and then that turned into a fortnightly rotation where I was contract to the station. So that's pretty much back where it all started. Wow. Well, we're going to jump into maybe a media stuff very, uh, very soon because first we want to cover off all the footy. Now, this oh, is gosh. a good Jeez. year, hasn't it? It's been <laughs> a great year. It has Sensational. Been, it's been a year and a where half. Where do I renew my membership? That's right. I don't know how many people <laughs> want, to, are. want to renew them. That's right. So where, where do you sit to start with them? I suppose, 2019. Give us a small wrap mm. on Port Adelaide first, I suppose. They've had a year under expectation, so are the Crows, but you're more passionate about Port Adelaide? Yeah, well, obviously, um, you, know, you spend 14 years of your career. My dad played there, so it's always my club and always be the club I love. But with that comes a little bit of ruthless evaluation <laughs> because you actually care a little bit more. Like mm. from for me, who works in this town and with 9 and AA and the advertiser, you sit back and you go, you've got to do your job and you've got to call as you see it. But when you see Adelaide, you know if they play well or don't play well, it doesn't really concern me. You know, I call it as I said, it's a poor performance, a good performance. Geez, they were great, or geez, that wasn't good. But for me, it's like frustration that comes with Port. And I look at what they did, and this is not just everyone says it's a Ken Hinckley thing. He made tough calls. Well, the footy department made the calls. It's not just down to one person. I've loved what they've done and blooded the kids and they've played the kids. So yeah. big tick there. But did I expect them to finish anywhere between six and twelve? Yes. Did they finish between 6 and 12? Yes. 
Do I leave disappointed? Yes, because I saw them play in Perth on Good Friday. They won. They beat Geelong here. Mm. They've beaten teams which I didn't expect they would win, but then they've lost to teams and poorly Mm. where they haven't. So I think it's a C performance. It's a pass. It's barely a pass because I look at it and go, if you're harsh, you look at where they're at. Why are so many senior players not contributing week in, week out? That's the big bit for me. That's mm. the question around coaching, the club's ethos, what they're doing inside the change rooms. Because the kids, the kids are boost. You boys, you've seen the kids play. Yeah. Well, Rosie Ber- uh, Dersma Butters, they've played beyond expectation. Absolutely. But Ollie Wines hasn't. Mm. Tom Jonas' first half of the season hasn't. Hamish Hartlett was missing. Has been phenomenal. Boat was great from go to woe. Robbie Gray, we didn't see his best. Ryder, well down. Dixon, well down. A lot of players, well down. So you've got to ask yourself, where is that? And for me, that is the bit that's failed. Now, uh, former captain, premiership captain, what about co-captaincy? We, uh, yuck. Yuck? Oh, I think it's a, I, thought it was yuck? A, I actually think it was a – I've said it at the time, I don't think it was a ruthless decision. I mm. think Adelaide's the same. I think it's a, it, it lacked a ruthlessness because if you felt – Travis spoke for what I hear was sort of ushered to the stage that, hey, we've got someone to take over. And for me, that looked as Ollie Wines from the club's perspective. Mm-hmm. I was adamant Ollie wasn't 100% ready because I just felt, you know, whilst he's mature from day one playing a lot of footy, he hadn't had many real life experiences around mm. football. Take that back now, he has. Mm. A water skiing accident turns into a broken ankle, then turns into a broken thumb. Well, if anything's going to teach you some lessons, is having football almost taken away. Mm. And not from a permanent perspective, from a yearly perspective to say he's now been, and I saw him, uh, leading into the final game of the season before. I saw him down at Henley Square. I lived down at Henley. I said, mate, it's been a horror, hasn't it? It's just snowballed. And he goes, yeah. And I said, you'll be better for it. Absolutely, mm. because you've got to go through that. I also felt with Adelaide, they're almost like they put Sloan around Walker to support him. Well, mm. Tex had done it for three or four years. So that says to me, mm. it was a lack of faith in Taylor Walker. Yeah. So for me, if you lack ruthless decisions from a footy club, would that have happened to Hawthorne? No, Bloody no, way. No, no way. Sydney did it because Sydney started with it off the back of Maxwell. Yep. Start of 05, their captain retired through injury. They thought, no one's quite ready. We'll put in Kirk and we'll put in Barry Hall. And I think that worked. And then that process is what they've built their process on yep. for a number of years. Mm. But the, the issue for both both clubs right now, Taylor Walker's come off an average year. Sloan's come off a tough year and an average year from his personal lofty standards. Mm. Ollie Wines had an injury-interrupted year and Jonas has had injury slash form and then found form at the end. So mm. I don't think it's been a win at all. So no. where, where do you rate do you rate it put Adelaide? Just just not a pass, but well, probably I think just it's a, a pass? C. I think it's a C. Both as well? You well, would, I, think, you I, I think you split it. I think their senior players are well down, bar, but then, then they've on the positive side to that, Boke's been back to career best, finally after they put him back in the midfield, no coincidence for mine. Houston been huge, Cleary been huge, Darcy Byrne, Jones been huge, Lysette been a big find. I don't think he should have been dropped, but I'm not a selector. So that for me evens it out to C. Then what Adelaide, about Adelaide? Clearly a fail. How far down a fail? F. Really an yeah, F. Yeah, like how I went at school. An wow. F. Well, <laughs> you couldn't be that bad. No, but no. <laughs> but why? Why do you ask? And yeah. that, for me, the main bit is I, being a Port Adelaide person, saw what Adelaide delivered in 2017. Fell short, self-destructed to a certain extent in that off-season. Then hamstring injuries, got a lot wrong. So for me, this year was the year for redemption. 
had a soft draw, let's face it. Absolutely. Played Gold Coast mm. and St Kilda twice. As a Port fan, I was very worried. I was worried. And, and you know what I said? I end. said I think they'll finish top four. Yeah. Because yeah. I thought fans. hunger. And I know it's like we, we were in, terrible in 2000, if you can remember. We were mm. bottom at the halfway mark of the year. I think won five from seven or something and finished towards the bottom half. And then you launch yourself. You've got extra pre-season, operations and fitness done early, mm-hmm. extra three or four weeks of training and, and able to tape your training instead of rush it, like Perfect. no doubt Adelaide did um, in that post-grand final. And I expected them to launch, but it never got going. And for me, there's some big issues, and hence why they're now going for a full club review. And the first time in a long time, Adelaide's almost gone, yep, we're listening. Finally, we've been forced to listen. We can't. Because clubs don't want to make change. They want to have control mm-hmm. of the controllables. And for them, it looks like they're defeated to go, hey, we need to start again. If you were a part of the Crows review, how, how would you, how, where would you start? I think it needs to be numerous things. I think coaching needs to be identified. And the dynamic, does the senior coach rule with an iron fist and the assistants don't have enough say? I don't know. Are they good enough? I don't know. These are the things that everyone expects commentators and former players to know the answer. Mm. Only people who can go back in with all the information can find out. Development needs to be a focus because I look at what Port's kids have done. You know, Chase Jones finally comes in, Fogarty come in. They don't come in with great form, but they came in with an opportunity. Mm. I called for it after the showdown. I thought, Adelaide, they need a dynamic year. They're still going back to the same old, same old. Why are we seeing so many players not play to their career best level? Maybe it is their age. Who's controlled list management? Has actually Justin Reid had the full autonomy to make those long-term decisions on those contracts? Or did board members or senior officials come in and say, get that done? These are the things that need to be looked at. So it's an on-field and it's an off-field. Also, too, and I reckon Port need the same thing, and I haven't heard that they're having an external review as yet. I think they need to look at their due diligence and their board. Yeah, who's making the decisions here? Who made the decision to extend Ken? as long as they did at the time when Gold Coast supposedly come in. Is the CEO in the role? Keith Thomas says he wants to stay mm-hmm. um, and is contracted, I'm here to stay. Mm-hmm. But where can you unearth where the develop? Because clearly we look at it right now and go, there's some stuff going amiss. Mm-hmm. Because you can't have teams play like Port, yo-yo football, beat the best and lose to average, yet Adelaide be tipped to bounce and then just fizzle. So mm-hmm. for me, they both need to go, hey, we haven't got the answers right now. We need to go and get the answers. And I think all the questions need to answer. But there mustn't be reprisal from this because you need to be able to speak confidentially to say this is what was suggested. Not by this person. This was what's suggested. Mm-hmm. This is what's going on. This person hasn't done their job. This person doesn't support the players. This person you know, has lost feedback and doesn't listen. I think all that needs to come out, but it doesn't need to come back on the people because if it comes back on people, you'll never get trust again. And I think that's one of the big issues Adelaide's got. So what are the... You outlined some of this in uh, your article on in Advertiser on Tuesday, which is fantastic. Who are it some of the great. people... It was, it was great. I know. You, you <laughs> were at the two by you. Very good. Are you happy with some of the people who might be around the fold or who would you at least suggest to conduct some of these? Well, I threw up some names that quickly came to mind. Mm. We've got the former AFL C living in this town, Wayne Jackson. Mm-hmm. He's probably happy in retirement <laughs> and spends a lot of time down the southeast. He lives down at Henley, so he may be someone that might be going, hey, come and sit on this committee. Yeah. I want to get your opinion. Another one's Rob Snowden, former Sydney footy manager and Port footy manager. I know really well. Mm-hmm. was actually Phil Walsh's manager yeah, uh, right. towards the end, good friend of Phil's. Um, so helped him actually get to the Crows, and I'm like, why don't you tell me? That would have been a good exclusive. <laughs> um, the other two who we see in Highmark Square a lot, he's got an office here, um, is Brian Cunningham, mm-hmm. former Port Adelaide administrator, 
unbelievable player, but CEO, worked in the government as well. KG's a big ad- advocate for this one. He is oh, he very could, good. He but couldn't do it. No, he, but I think what you'll us, find is I'm not sure he would get involved in Adelaide's one, but hey, if Port called him on, and another one who I think is great, and, and I think probably like, if he's anything like me, probably frustrated from mm. what he sees from his old club, is Greg Bolton. Yeah, I'm not sure. Some mentioned, some people have mentioned John Reid. I'm not sure he comes in when his son's still working at the Crows and the way he left Adelaide with the salary cap stuff. But Do you want someone there who's... were some people who needs to have some footy nows, right? But then also too, we, we've seen people do it at Collingwood. They did it in-house, but they had a separate person whose job it was to articulate what you want. But I think it has to be totally uncompromised. So the stage that if the document lands and three board members need to be shot, see you later, Yeah. It can't, you know, or a CEO or a senior coach or whatever. It needs to be open to say, hey, whatever happened to you, we're going to willing to mm. cop it. It's almost like the truth chair they used to do with the leading teams. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask the question if you don't want the answer. And mm. I think that's where both fans are actually just saying, hey, we want our clubs to be great, mm. but we need to open up the doors and whatever it is, don't, yeah, don't reveal personal things. But if, for example, a major person, and I won't say names, but if a major person's found to be in breach of their job and not yeah. do it the best, yeah. then that person quickly comes out and suffers a consequence. That's right. So should would it make sense for the clubs to look at having people come in that haven't had any previous history with the clubs? Because there are some that you name there have been around those well, clubs I think before. you could pluck anyone in who is well-respected, based out of Melbourne, former list manager, former CEO, former board member, whatever, who comes with clear eyes. I think that is important because... If you've got previous relationships, it makes it really hard. That's right. Mm. And also think too, it's a it's a little bit of all care, no responsibility, because you sit you, know, you sit back and go, mm, okay, I'm walking into this club. This is what I perceive from the outside. I want to see what's gone on, mm. because you might be surprised and actually go, you know what? Like Richmond did, we've seen a lot of good things going on here. Damien Hardwick's under the palm. But a lot of things come out and then they win a premiership 12 months later. So mm. I'm not all the person that sits back and goes, yeah, I don't think they've got all got the answers. Mm. But I think if you get some fresh eyes, it certainly makes it easier. Now, uh, the Crows in 2017 were uh, well, half a football away from being premiers. Now, going back to the 2007 grand final, we ne- we were, were lost that one pretty badly. Was there, or, was there any similarities from... From back in going into the 2008 preseason, comparing to how the Crows did it, and was it the same or was it no, had that same it, sort thing of effect? I think it was very different. Yeah. And the only thing I'd say is very different, and Crows fans are going to cop out. <laughs> we, we lost by 119, we all know. But I still can't fold our effort that mm. day, and I was captain. Mm. And I'm quite happy to say I kicked a quarter of the score, I kicked two. Joking. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> no, but I think from our point of view, the midway park of that year, we were eighth. Mm. I was on the verge of playing my 200th game, coming back from a major knee. We had Westoff, we had Boak, we had Gray, we had all these kids come into the Signing. team. Daniel Hardwick, mm. where no, don't, um, uh, Daniel Pierce, not Damien Hardwick, he'd long gone retired. And, and I think we actually got on a run, and we beat Geelong and Geelong by a kick. We beat uh, Brett Ebert kicked uh, that Against was Cassisi, yeah, mm. and down in Tassie. Tassie. Uh, Brett Ebert kicked a goal with 30 seconds to go. So that mm. was effectively eight points that no one else was getting. Yeah. So we got to the stage where by the end of the year, we're the second best team. We, we smashed North Melbourne mm. in a home prelim and we decided to mail it in. And we had a heap of opportunities earlier in that game, mm. but we didn't take them. And that cost us. And realistically, I don't think some of the players recovered from it. You know, I knew Mundo through that third quarter, we were staffed mm. because we were just getting hammered our defence and I had the probably some of the best seats in the house. Sending it's the Scarlet and the ball didn't come down much. But I look at what Adelaide did. They were clearly the best team. They really 
didn't take their opportunities and some say self-destructed and the way from that moment onwards and I even heard on uh, 5AA, Mark Rusciuto, who works for the, an opposition station, say when he fronted the media recently about some of the comments that he'd made, he said, we think we pushed them too hard. We went to go harder and, you know, a little bit of hard love and we got it really wrong. Mm. Then they had a lot of injuries, then they fixed the injury stuff and then the, the club still tumbled. Sometimes you can get so close. That's you know, the Western Bulldogs a few years back mm. with Scott West and Luke Darcy and Brad Johnson played in two prelims, never won one. And then all of a sudden it falls off a cliff that you go Hawthorne who stumble into them, find a way to get there, execute and win four flags. Mm. You, mentioned Mark, close. you mentioned Mark Rusciuto. Very interesting couple of days for him. Um, as we speak on a Monday night, he uh, just had a big media day on the Monday. Really trying to backpedal, I suppose, from what he said on Sunday afternoon post the Crows' final game of the year. Basically saying that the fans should bugger off and support other clubs if they don't agree with backing in what the club is choosing to do in the future. Now, they've gone down the review path, which is obviously a great new development for them. But at the time, in the media, you'd know, making statements, you know, it, it, it can be, um, you can have supporters and you can have a lot of people that scrutinise you. But that was a comment that just was really off the mark. And where, where did you stand with that? Oh, what, what, was, what was your view? I thought it was cringeworthy, because you know, it's easy to say it's not me. But the other bit too, for me, it highlights exactly why if you're going to be a board member, it's pretty bloody difficult to earn your living in the media. And hence, I'd love to. I got approached, I'll say it now, I got approached a few years ago to be on Port's list management structure. I would love to have done that. But how, how do I that? sit there uh, two years ago? Yeah, right. How do I sit there? And because and, they wanted to get fresh blood, Dom Cassisi, who's now on there, they asked me to go on with him and a few others because it was a lot of George Fiacci at the time asked me. He was a board member, but as he said, I haven't played in the AFL industry. I don't understand mm. the trade period as well as, and for me, who works in media, I go, geez, that'd be great. And I spent three weeks before I got back to him. Wow. He went overseas and I thought, oh, I'd love to do this because I saw Rashudo doing that. And the difference between a, a football analyst who Rue is, with he does with Fox and obviously with his other radio commitments, mm. and that's a similar role I play, obviously, with double-A, five double-A footy. I'm very good at it. Oh, please, <laughs> last man standing. Um, but the difference is, and Jason Dunstall, the Dunstall situation, he worked on radio and Fox footy for years, but it was Collingwood's, uh, sorry, uh, Hawthorne's uh, footy director with Alastair Clarkson. But he never commentated a Hawthorne game. Mm. And even on grand finals, he actually wasn't a part of the call team. Straight away. Mm. Yeah. The difference between a Brayshaw and an Eddie Maguire is they ask the questions. The Dunstall role, the Treadray role, the Rusciuto role has to answer, answer the questions. So it's pretty hard, especially in a two-team town, when you're commenting either Porter people who <laughs> hopefully want to hear what I've got to say and probably mm. don't want to hear what Mark's got to say because we're so parochial. And then if I'm working on Crows, Crows fans are going, why are we listening to this Port flog? Yep. When, you know what I mean? And yep. on the other side, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a difficult role and that's why I think if – I reckon it'll come to a stage – potentially in the future where the AFL says if you're a, an official... One role. You either have to want to make an, a, a, an earn or you're going to nominate your time and maybe the footy director will follow the Western Bulldogs model where Chris Grant is actually a paid director of football. So I think that's a difficult one because when Rashudo, we love to hear his opinion. I like to hear what's happening in Adelaide. Of course. But clearly that was frustration and clearly that was him wearing two caps and then... 
some of the comments that he's actually said this year, which is fair enough because I agree with everything. Fans are walking out of the showdown because they've been poor and they've been pathetic and yep. someone's going to have to pay the price. But then from Adelaide's perspective is, do we want our football director speaking openly and honestly and effectively telling our coach he's who he employs, mm. what he should be doing. It's a fine line, and that's why I don't think you can mix the two. Not to mention, I think it's a conflict of interest. Well, hypothetically, if you did have a list manager's hat on, who stays, who goes for Port and the Crows? Uh, I think Ryder's gone. Yep. I think that's clear. I think Essendon and um, St Kilda have been chasing him. People talk about Port being off offering a one-year deal. I don't think it's got to that stage because... Mm. The clubs and managers chat and say, hey, we would probably look at a one-year deal mm. and they're probably looked out elsewhere. Um, I think there might be potential if Pau Pepper wants to move on or seek more opportunities. He's been up and down like a yo-yo. Form hasn't been great, but opportunity. Also, too, I think Port has proved through Houston they need to get more kicks, mm. better kicks involved. Um, I think don't be surprised that someone of the ilk of a 30-year-older might mm. go and that could be a broadband. Right. Because out of contract, and you look at where Port's the lot turning thirty next year, off the top of my head, Gray, uh, Sam Gray will be gone, definitely Her- gone, definitely gone. Well, I don't think Port's tabled an offer. And six weeks ago, we ran on nine that Carlton was into him and the Gold Coast, and I suspect it could be a Carlton mm. because you've got to also create some space. And this mm. is a bit I don't want to leave him. He averages eighteen to twenty touches, can kick goals. But if you don't create the space, how does Connor Rosie become that link midfield role, then get into the midfield? Mm-hmm. How does Butters evolve? How does William Drew William Drew get an opportunity? And I think that's that's the thing you need to look at. So if you look at the 30s, Gray stays, Boak stays. Westhoff, I think, uh, we reported last week that he was close to hitting a trigger on severely reduced money than yeah. what he was on a few years ago. So they go, they stay. Mm-hmm. Dixon turns 30. I think he'll be out of contract, I think, maybe next year with free mm-hmm. agency. Uh, Rockliffe is getting close to 30, a couple of years to go. Um, Broadbent would be out of contract. Hartlett comes towards 30 next year. So you've got a lot of 28, 29, 30. So for me, a couple of those go, and I think if it's a rider or a Broadbent, that probably makes a little bit of sense. And let's face it, by the time this is, you know, we record and we put this up, mm. Port's having those discussions right now. They so are. players will know in the next two days whether they've got an opportunity or they'll have to wait for an opportunity or a potential opportunity or look elsewhere. Uh, I think Amon stays from what I hear. I'm not sure the reporting on that's been um, as, I think there's more um, manager games. Yes. Um, and you look at Adelaide, you go, guys had a great year, David McKay, coming off a long-term deal. Does he get a one-year? He deserves it. But then you've got to look at the dynamics. How does Chase Jones get an opportunity mm-hmm. in that midfield or that wing if you create him? Miller, is he going to get stuck at half-back or is he going to become a wingman or an inside mid? Now, do one of the Crouches or Sloan have to be traded? I probably say no as yet because I still think they're bloody good footballers. But then you look on the other side. Okay, Jenkins looks like he's on the outer, so his text probably survives. But then you go, Keith, the word on the street is that he's offered a poultice by the Bulldogs and they've got big salary cap space and they're offering Mm. in excess of half a million towards six. Because Tom Tom, Tom Boyd's off the books now. Yeah, they've got a lot of – and they've actually managed their cap really well with a lot of players. Mm. Um, I think he takes the opportunity because you go, okay, what have Adelaide got? If you keep Keith, who's been great and had injuries, Talia's better, let's face it. Dude comes back who's younger. Keith's the same age as Talia. Do you get to a stage when I was retiring where you lost Burton, you lost McLeod, you got uh, you lost Edwards, um, you lost Goodwin all drop in that same cliff. period. So you drop off a yeah. cliff. So I think what Adelaide will do is be really daring. They'll get involved. They'll start throwing some picks around. They'll try and get some players. But you've got to look at Andy Otten's already gone. Douglas is a tough 
It's it's the right call. Mm. Yes. But he clearly wanted to play on. Mm. But that's the call you've got to make to evolve your a list. And probably call. the decisions they didn't do 18, 12 months ago. What about Eddie? Uh, I think if Eddie's got a better opportunity, you release him. Mm. I don't want to be disrespectful to Eddie because I'm one of his biggest fans, but his best has passed him. Yeah. Both he and Tex, have, had, I think, have had average years, led the goal kicking, so it tells you where Adelaide's at. Jacobs? Uh, I th- I hear he gets another year. One more at the Crows. I think, because insurance. Who else are they going to get? Mm. Grundy's not coming. No, he's not. Well, unless Adelaide wants to pay a poultice. And for me, if I'm Grundy, and I, I hear that he might want to live in Adelaide post-footy because his partner is Adelaide girl and they want to live back here, Port's not going to throw ransom at him when they've invested at Lyset for half the money. That's right. Grundy's going to want 1.2 a year for five years. He's going to be playing in a team that's rejuvenating their forward line and back line and they're going for kids. So he wants to play in a flag. He's probably best and he'll get paid at Collingwood. Um, and I sit there and go, O'Brien has dominated most of the year and all of a sudden now Jacobs has got him sort of on the back burner. Mm. So I think that'll be a genuine fight that, you know, I think O'Brien starts in that role, but I think you need Jacobs on reduced money to give you backup, and I think Adelaide need to go to the draft or get a, another ruckman in because you look at the ruckman. There, there is a not many ruckmen in the comp at the moment. Stefan Martin signed on again. If Ryder's going to get two years at either uh, St Kilda or Essendon, <laughs> I think he's passed his best and got injuries. Yep. Then that says to you that you know Mumford even got brought out of retirement to get back from GWS, mm. um, and I don't know that uh, GWS are into Jacobs, so he's going to have to make a call. Do I take one year on re- less money to mm. go or uproot your family with the young family to move? Does the Grundy decision change if Collingwood do win the flag? It might. This year? I think the difference for that, and the only way I look at it, because he's a free agent in 2021, mm. sorry, end of 2020, so next year, you liken that situation to Wingart, Lockie Neal, and... Uh, Dylan Shield. The reason why those guys moved is the picks, those clubs were players were likely to move. The clubs knew that. They got better compensation than they would have in 12 months' time from the AFL's free agency compensation. And they were happy to let, let them go. Collingwood ain't happy to let him go. So they're not mm-hmm. going to trade for him this year unless Adelaide offers up pick three or four or whatever mm-hmm. it is, plus something else. It's going to take two and probably two first round picks and something to get him in. So if Adelaide want to do that, Collingwood might listen if he's going to leave, but I think it's really unlikely. But the biggest mm-hmm. thing I think has to change with free agency is the compensation's got to go. Yeah. If you left your job at the paper or you left <laughs> your job at AA yeah. and I left mine at Channel 9, do they get compensation if Absolutely you leave? Absolutely not. I just don't get it. It's just <laughs> That was just the biggest cop-out from the AFL to appease some of the clubs. Because at the end of the day, once you stop paying these guys, you don't own their rights. Mm. They own their own. And I think as soon as we get to that situation... I think it'll be better because you'll create more opportunities. And I think on the other side, the players are going to lose the right when they're under contract to agree to a trade. It's the greatest farce of all time. Mm. If you sign over and get paid, if you sign over and get paid, like I do at Channel 9 every night, and I sign them and I get paid well and I'm happy with the deal, if I'm not performing, they should be able to ship me off to someone else, whether that's for a better compensation or a worse compensation than a payment. That's just... No different to any other business out there. You know, if someone's not performing in five double A sales department or mm-hmm. the advertiser print man's not doing mm-hmm. their job, what happens? 
Why is it players sitting going, mm, no, I don't like that deal. I don't want to live there. <laughs> Pathetic. You've nailed that on the head. And you know what? You've just ticked two boxes there inadvertently yes, as well. two massive boxes. Is on that our, your issue? Is that po- your gripe? No, no. On our podcast, the word farce is like held in a pedestal. It's the, the greatest word. And we have a segment called Pass or farce, farce, which you should listen to later on. And uh, Jace's favourite thing is shipping people off. So you've done Speaking two of him, where is he? I don't know where he And Jace needs to answer the big question. He, he spends a life jumping out of bushes. He does. I think he's got stuck. He's in a rose bush. I'm not happy with his performance, and he knows that, and we know that. <laughs> it's a lack of performance. He ain't here. Listen to his microphone. It's off. <laughs> so uh, in-season trading, you'd be a fan? Oh. I think way we've got it is wrong. Mm. Because if we're going to pillage the local comps, and don't get me wrong, I've loved seeing young Noble play. Mm. Um, young Hosey gets an opportunity at North. Yep. And and I love the fact Snelling. that Snelling and yep. then oh yeah Snelling, Snelling and Essendon, Essendon. Yep. Um, and then I love the fact that um, what club Sydney recruits Ruckman Noel but doesn't play right. and then plays Alilia as a ruck That's anyway right. and South Adelaide are pillaged <laughs> poor righty down there I think and miss out by half a game yeah, yeah. it's just a raw yet if he was at Essendon he probably would have played the last ten games of the season because they didn't mm. have a Ruckman mm. um, I, I think I like I hated how the clubs have said we don't like it the AFL's backed away. I would love to see the facts are. You've got 40-odd players, including rookies. Mm-hmm. If you can't manage your list and you want to run at 100% cap, why don't you run at 95? And then if you don't use it all, you get that under overall mm-hmm. where you can protect your underspend um, and spend future, whatever you saved on top of in future yep. years. Why not manage your list to say, if we're going to write, write Ruckman, why don't we leave 50 grand as a minimum, base payment or whatever, or pro rata, so then we then can go to somewhere else in the system because too often we sit there and go, look at Port. You know, you got Laddams. Mm. you got Frampton who could play Ruck. you got Lysette and you got Ryder. Yet we look at Sydney Swans who don't have enough Ruckman one. and they're not really going to challenge for the finals. Why don't we do what we do? In, I'm a big Arsenal fan. Why don't we do in soccer and loan them out with an option for a third-round pick to purchase at the end of the year or do a straight purchase? So we actually keep it all encumbersome. So it actually creates... The issue is around what do, what areas do what areas do we need? Are we chasing a flag, or are we happy to give something up to get a premium? Mm. And let's face it, and it'll make clubs work harder instead of going and pillaging the local comps. I just don't think that's fair. I just think if if you're big enough and you've got a forty, fifty, sixty million dollar footy, you know, we're talking football clubs making money, mm. full time list managers, recruiters, they know who these players are. Why aren't they then given two spots for a senior rookie? Like we saw with Port Adelaide with Cracker, played a few games, played in the system, helps being a professional. I think there's no reason why it can't already function well as a mid-season trade period, and trade period only, not a draft, a trade period, where you can swap, give guys on rookie lists who are playing in the knee for not getting an opportunity for some reason because they're out of favour, put them on your list temporarily, then then create some more movement like a soccer loan situation where Mm. you take on their salary, you've got room in your cap, and then you give this person an opportunity, and who knows? How many times have we seen players, like John Blakey, for example, played at Fitzroy, went to North, played forever. Mm. You know, players you don't get a chance to start with then turn into a player, Josh Kennedy at Sydney. Couldn't get a crack at Hawthorne, one of the greatest grand, grandsons ever of one of the greatest names, mm. goes to Sydney and turns into a career. I think that's the way forward, mm. but we want to be... Half pregnant with it all the time. Yeah, we do. And the, and I'm I'm old school. I just see don't don't change. You what, are very. You I'm are so old school. school, and I just want to see you start the year with your okay, list. Okay, let's start with a hundred hundreds, and let's <laughs> go run around the lake and flog them for ten k's and give them shin splints and wonder why they don't move for three weeks. But at the end of the day, you've got your list. You've got forty blokes, forty whatever blokes. But that's an evolution, Stick though, isn't it? it? If you got your forty, 
then you create space to then trade and move what you've got. I just why hate- do you need to do that? Well, because if you've got a, if you've got battle a, of the fittest for the longest, it, isn't it is. It is. But if you want to create some space and you want to create talk, we all work work in media. Mm. If you want to create, you know, sell papers, drive TV ratings, radio ratings, revenue, and we're all fans of it. Going, hey, if there's an opportunity to go and get someone, we're going to give up something and we're going to make that call. I think there'd be nothing better. Mm. Classic example. Look, if Josh Jenkins, for example, is out of favour at Adelaide, and Geelong might have room in their cap. You organise a potential tr- pre-trade because we hear he might want to get back to Victoria and that's that's not one of the names who his mates with Dangerfield makes sense. What happens right now if Josh Jenkins is for the midway mark of the year, hasn't got a game, Adelaide bail out, pays some of his salary, Cats have got room and all of a sudden the Cats into mm-hmm. the finals now with Josh Jenkins, the 50-goal forward. I think that adds excitement and Adelaide gets compensation on the other end to then go to the draft and get something better. I see that okay if they're more than willing to go. If the players are willing to go, that's great. It's when the clubs have the power, that's yeah, when but, I get a little bit but, but my point is, years ago when I was playing, the clubs had the power. If you were the... Nick Stevens wanted to leave Port, wanted to go to Collingwood, Collingwood off a crap deal, we sent him to the worst team, Carlton, mm. at the time. Is that right? No. I don't like that. No. But the other bit is the compensation, don't like that. I think at the end of the day, if you've signed onto a club, Right, you should then hand over all your rights. If you're coming out of contract, then you can either strike a trade, right? And I think there's that angle. I don't think the compensation works, but I think it's gone too far the club's way, now too far the player's way. Find that middle ground. You find the middle ground to say, you sign the deal, the club's own your rights, and then you do what every other professional sport does in the world. Let's talk quickly before we start to wrap up with you, mate. Don Pike and Ken Hinckley, do they deserve an extra year? They're probably going to get them anyway. Uh, where do you stand? Well, Keith Thomas is backed in Kent. I can understand why. Keith mm-hmm. made the decision along with David Kosh. Um, it doesn't make me popular probably with Ken. And <laughs> I hear bits and pieces that he's not too happy with me. I wrote a piece in the paper about a month ago saying, right now, on the way things were going, both clubs, wouldn't the coaches would be probably wouldn't have a job or they'd be fighting for their job. Mm. I stand by that. Because you look at where Adelaide's come from, grand final, Self-destructed, yep. poor decisions around the camp, poor decisions with injury, and now expecting to boom and they've failed. Mm. So clearly, they're, they're probably if they could afford doing out of contract, they'd make a change. If we ask honestly with Port fans, though you're a classic Port fan, you sit there and go, what you see, you see, fourteen grand uh, prelim, mm. fifteen underachieve, fifteen underachieve. It's something like ninth, mm. tenth, seventh, tenth, tenth, yep. and on the seventh. They finished fifth and lost a home final, kicked 10 18. I sit there and go, are Port fans happy with, I think, is underachievement? So, yep. right now, if they're mm. out of contract, I, I don't think they would be looking for two more new coaches. Is that fair? That's absolutely fair for mine. Yeah, if, 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 if Kenny was out of contract, he definitely wouldn't get a new one. But no. uh, I personally think it's it's got to be a money issue, doesn't it? It has to be. Well, I think there's a combination for of both, that. And also, too, the decision makers that have made it, yeah. it has to be. are the ones who are still there. So it'd be very interesting to see where Port Adelaide sits this time next year because fans are clearly annoyed. They've bunkered down and backed in their program, which they're totally entitled to do. I agree with a lot of good stuff that Ken's done. Blood the kids, give opportunity. He's been ruthless at selection. He may not have been many years back. But I think just people have worn their patience. Let's uh, move forward. I suppose we can move out of football real quickly as we start to move on into the rest of the show. Um, You're newly married, mate. Yes. You nearly married. How's life? How is how is that for you? Well, we're going very well. <laughs> we do juggle five kids, so I've got three and got two step kids. How's a life with that many kids in the household? I've got two dogs and two birds too. Oh goodness, mate! Yeah, these birds that sit <laughs> on you—they're they're trained. So our house is chaos, but it's brilliant. We we'll change it. Is that a happiness tip? 
Oh, I could be. Does it keep you Blake, happy? Blake, Blakey will stitch me, no, no doubt. He's already said I can't keep women. <laughs> Unbelievable. You well, kept the wedding re- very, very quiet. Smart. And, and uh, it just came out. And I reckon I was texting you about your column, and I yeah. reckon it was might have been during the wedding. Is, oh, that, is that true? Was that true? Probably. Oh. <laughs> Did you get a quite relaxed comment back? It might have been nine, <laughs> nine drinks deep with the red wines. <laughs> but I think it was the next day I was like, hang on, I might have been texting Treaders during his oh, wedding. Probably. But, jeez. Good I column, though. Must have been a really bad <laughs> column if he's texting me. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I suppose it's really, really good to have you on back on Double A. It's great to have you here on the press box as well, mate. Chatting a fair bit of footy. I mean, this is just going to get nutted out for the next few weeks and months and Trade period's going to be nuts and all the rest of it with drafts and whatnot. But uh, All I these... ask is one thing. Don't create a headline like a Mark Rusciuto on me. Oh, absolutely what not. what I just said then. <laughs> Why would we do that? Never. We would not do that. Liars. No, we're not going to do that. I write, yeah. I, I write <laughs> your headline every week. <laughs> As we said off the top, we so want friends on the show. So you get me in trouble. Always get shot, not from the content, from the headline. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> There's one man. To, there's one man. Hey, uh, Treaders, thanks for coming in, mate, on the press box. We love your company. No worries, boys. So good to have Treaders on with us on the press box um, as he wanders on out of the studio. Uh, we've got a, a board to continue on with. and I'll Yeah, but first of all. Yeah. He said fast. <laughs> yes. Pass or fast is coming up. And that was not scripted, everyone. Oh. That was not oh. scripted. Wasn't part of the contract That's or any epic. deals. That was just straight off the bat. That was sensational. That was epic. Now, good on you, Treaders. <laughs> he wanders out. He's pretty happy with that. Um, he's contributing in such a significant way. Let's talk cricket. Um, the Ashes was, uh, well, I told you last week, Dale, you know how I want to draw parallels with 2005. I you got the tests around the wrong way. I couldn't possibly draw any more parallels right now because this third test in Headingley was one of the most. It's the most. Clo- it's the closest thing to Edgebest in '05, as you could possibly recall, especially in recent Ashes history. Unbelievable what we saw that run chase day four Sunday night, um, early hours of Monday morning. There I was sitting in bed just with my iPad watching the the final final overs of the game and just on edge the entire time. Uh, unbelievable chase from Ben mm. Stokes. You you didn't stay up and watch it, but no, I um, didn't. You I caught d- up with it though. <laughs> I did catch up with it. Uh, first question. Could you believe it? I suppose. First question I have is: Is your is your iPad still in one piece? <laughs> it almost smashed it. Because <laughs> <laughs> if I was watching it on the iPad, it would yeah. have been about five hundred pieces. <laughs> <laughs> the touch the touch element doesn't work anymore. Oh, um, so so for you waking up in the morning, you would have expected to see an Australian win. Did you not? Did, no, I just, didn't. No. I didn't actually. Oh, and remember, I, in our little podcast chat, I might have said that England are a chance here, oh, and and, and uh, someone who may or may not be here <laughs> said, "Oh, oh, you got no idea." Yeah. Well, um, hello, who yeah. what? But uh, I went to. I turned. Every, got home from work Sunday night. I turned everything off. It was. I think it was about four for two hundred and twenty something. I think mm. or two hundred and thirty. Right. And uh, Stokes was going. Oh, it, it was. It was it was about fifty balls off yeah, for two runs or yeah, something. Yeah, it was point. eighteen off ninety five balls or something yeah. like that. And I, and um, I said to myself, "Well, if we get him out, we win." Yeah. And um, went to bed, shut everything off. Um, woke up, turn every turn everything back on. We still didn't get him out. We lost. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty much the story, wasn't it? Uh, everyone else around him fell, um, and then it came down to those final few overs where. Obviously, he said, oh, I've got to get going. I've got to get some runs because Jack Leach isn't going to get the runs for me. Um, so he took it upon himself and he needed 76, I think it was, for that final wicket. And he did exactly that. And it was it was almost 
fearless. It was just godlike how he went out there and he just took over. He took full control and Jack Leach went faced every you know one or two balls here and there when you know the strike required him to to face up at the very end of each over. But he was phenomenal, Ben Stokes. I couldn't believe how well a guy could control um, how well he hits the ball over the fence for six. He hit eight sixes, and most of them came at the very back end of that innings. Mm-hmm. He completely toyed with the bowlers. The bo- Actually, the bowling was poor. The bowling was really poor, actually. That No Yorkers. I think everyone was sitting well, on social media going, where the hell is a Yorker, boys? Well, yeah, Yorkers. And then the other thing I found by watching a, a bit of it um, today mm. was when Ben Stokes was on, on strike for the last ball of the over... A, Payne forgot to bring the field in, fielding, a, fielding yes. a couple of times. But B, just bowled a bouncer. Yeah. Just bowled it over his head. Mm. And then happy days. I, I just... I, it, there was a lot of lot of balls bowled in the in the go zone, wasn't there? Yeah. For me, it was just... It, the Yorker especially is the ball that... You, you go back to any T20, any one day, and there's always a tight run chase with a few balls left and a few runs to win. Uh, what do they bowl? It's a Yorker every single time. I just it just got to me that they couldn't execute something as simple as that when the the, the you know the going got tough and they really did struggle under the pressure and even the very very last ball, Pat Cummins, you know, there's one run to win and bowled this short wide thing outside off for Stokes to smash through the covers and win it for him. I mean, they couldn't have got an easier finish. No, it was a uh, yeah. The bowling was uh, not up to standard uh, for mine, but. Uh... Bigger than that, bigger than that mm-hmm. was uh, the run out. Yeah, Nathan Lyon, she's how how he's going to how he's going to get pit, the boys going to get around him to pick him up from that because oh. that that was his Herschel Gibbs moment. Yeah, that had nineteen ninety nine World Cup written all over it. Didn't all it, it needed was Flem to roll it yeah, down. Yeah, that's all it needed. <laughs> to Gilly, just pick the ball up. <laughs> and then oh. and then came the uh, the LBWs. The, the two LBWs, one that was um, called Not Out and Australia decided to review, which was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Even at the time, I just went, it's pitching outside the leg, worth a shout, obviously, in the time of the place, but don't even consider you review why we even got the DRS timer on the scoreboard. Like, get that off. We're not even going to think about that. And then the big T goes up. And I go, hang on, Timmy. It's not Timmy time. Just just settle down. I know there's eight runs to win for the Poms and it's all getting close and you're getting desperate. But you, you need to be smarter than that. There's going to be more high-pressure opportunities in the next over or two than any other any other time in this game so far. And he cooked it. But did he did he go thinking, right, this is, this is the last chance? And on top of that, what about the ones... Previously, that he didn't go for, they were actually out. Well, he's so he's clearly he's not second guessing himself. He's no, about fifth guessing himself. No, it was it was it was desperation um, right there. You could see it because you'd know if you're making a smart review, you look at the op- the possibilities of okay, did it pitch outside leg? Did it before you even think about doing the review because you want everything to line up before you do it. So you know if you make a decision to review. It's ninety percent of it should go your way, and it's hopefully just the hitting the wickets bit that you have to guess on. This was pitching outside the leg. He's bowling on the opposite side of the wicket. Mm. You know, you can't possibly think bowling over the wicket to a left-hander is going to be a smart idea. Um, reviewing an LBW because you knew where it pitched. So for me, I just got really frustrated with that. And then when Nathan Lyon got an opportunity to to bowl at Stokes toward the end, two or three runs left, strikes him on the pad. Joel Wilson says not out. And then they have nothing left. I mean, that was the moment. That was it. 
in fairness to Tim Payne, you didn't know that was going to happen. But then, of course, but then, think, but then, of course but then, you do. But then, Joel Wilson, you're an umpire, mate. <laughs> it was plum. Yeah, it, was plum. it was plum. And England had a review, didn't they? Yep. So, oh, I don't know. If you go this, don't go with this. If you're going to think that the umpire should have given it the other way purely because England had the review, I don't agree with that. No, but it's plum. I it don't was agree. Plum. I know it was plum, absolutely plum. But he's had a horror series. I've heard. I've heard. This is why I brought this up because, well, yeah, there well, are people he, out he there saying given him out. there are some people out there saying that the umpire should have given him out purely because England had the review. So if the right decision would be made, at least one the, the the team would be able to review it. Either team would be able to get the correct decision. But that's that's bringing umpiring to disrepute. If you're going to just start making decisions based on who's got reviews, this well, just means might as well just review everything well, from upstairs. Well, that was going to be my point. Well, why have a cap on reviews? Because then we'll shout at everything. We just want to get it right. Mm. And just get it right, and then there'd be nothing would get wrong. Then there'd be no. You know, oh, Steve Smith got you mm. know dudded, and we didn't have a review, or you know, we lost a test. To, Still, Maybe. it still keeps the human element of it intact. No, I like that. I still well, like still the human, human element. element. They're actually adding another human element: the guy with the mouse and <laughs> yeah, the guys in the truck. <laughs> so this this series has just turned full crazy now. It's level one all. Can Australia still win it? I don't think so. I think uh, momentum's I think, taken. I, I think that's that, that's all she wrote. Jeez. Um, yeah. Well, I said last week that um, they had to win. Aussies had to win to uh, to win the Ashes, and obviously they would have won the Ashes. But mm. uh, I can't see the Aussies uh, winning either of the next two. Jeez, you think Jimmy Anderson will be uh, coming, coming back, back in? Mm. So you got uh, so Steve Smith. Yeah, well, maybe <laughs> full. Yeah, but uh, um, the only person that I believe that can get Steve Smith out is Jimmy Anderson. Like mm. literally. Get him out. No, I don't right. mean knock him out. <laughs> I meant, you know, <laughs> take his wicket. So uh, it'll be interesting how... There's going to be a stiff England bowler too, might I add, if Jimmy Anderson comes in because... No, it'll be Wokes. Oh, you think so? Well, Broad's not getting dropped. He he is far too damaging with the new ball. Um, although, Leach, you know, I didn't really watch a whole lot of him bowl, but from all reports, he wasn't flash. That's mm. second-hand mail, but... Um, because I didn't actually watch a whole lot of him bowl, but at the same time, I, I feel like you'd still need a spin option, so he, he'd still have to stay in yeah, the side, because I don't have Moanali anymore. So if you take Wokes out, their batting is gets depleted a lot. Mm-hmm. Then it'd be interesting, but it will uh, be. Uh, then Archer, Broad, and uh, Anderson. Whew. Well, it's a fearsome pace attack. You wouldn't need too much deep batting with that sort of bowling. But line. for the Aussies, what do you do? Steve Smith in. Steve Smith in. This is the question: Is Labuschagne's got to stay in? So Has is, to. It, is it Kawaja that comes out? I think so. I think absolutely he comes out. He he has not performed on this tour at all. He's been invisible. So then, who bats at three? Well, that's another question which. Labuschagne. It's very tough. Labuschagne. He's batted at three for Queensland. I don't mind that. I, I don't mind that. Or, this is this is radical. I wouldn't do it myself. But does Travis Head go to three? He's always oh. batted four, sometimes three for SA. I mean, he's. I wouldn't personally do it. I don't think he's ready for it. But it's always a possibility. But I think Manus Labuschagne, the way he's stepped up in this series so far at number four... He can give him a go at three. At least give him an opportunity. Um, Smith deserves four. I don't think you move Smith because he's a better batsman. I think you lock him in. Steve four. Smith can bat wherever he wants. If but that's it, nine, ten, yeah. eight, one, where, where he wants to bat, and I think he wants to bat four. So lock him in there. 
Marnus probably goes three. I, I, that's probably most real situation. What about Mike Atherton's uh, view on the on the commentary? He said that Steve Smith in maybe Tim Payne out gloves to Matty Wade option. No, nah, I, if you're going to give the gloves away, you don't give it to a batsman. Um, who, like a pure batsman. That's what Wade's been picked for as a pure bat. It's all he's done for the last two years is just bat. He hasn't kept, he hasn't practised, he hasn't... Uh, I mean, I know it would come naturally to him, but that's a that's a bad move. Um, you, if you're going to take a keeper out, you bring in a keeper. That's that's my philosophy there. Um, I wouldn't be keen on keeping um, uh, Kawaja in the team at the same time as um, taking Tim Payne out. Mm, interesting. It's a good theory, though. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's a different a theory, one. But, uh, oh, you can only geez. toss it out there, can you? That uh, the next county game, uh, Mitchell Stark will be running in f- uh, oh, five, mil- man. F- five million uh, miles an hour. <laughs> uh, he, he won't get. He, he could take all twenty wickets in mm. that county game, and he still won't. He still won't play. That's re- that's insane, isn't it? His situation. You I can't, can't believe you can't it. Change it. I know the bowling they choked yesterday, <laughs> or but. Uh, Two days ago, they were the best bowling attack in the world. Yeah, that's right. Ever, forever. Mm. So you know, they had an off day, but you can't, you can't, you can't change that bowling attack. So Smith in, Kawaja out, and yeah, probably that's probably yeah. how it'll pan out. But um, oh, the, the the equations out there, I like the thinking that we can we have so many different options because once upon a time, what twelve months ago, we didn't have this sort of luxury. Yeah. So uh, I feel a little bit more fortunate that we once were. Should we talk about the um, the, the outstanding situation uh, with um, basketball here in Australia in the last... Oh, yeah, let's talk about a win. <laughs> let's, let's talk about something that actually was uh, quite exciting. Also had some uh, small negative uh, sides to it, but we'll, we'll talk about all of the all of the areas. But first, the Boomers in the Team USA games at Marvel Stadium on Thursday and Saturday night. Outstanding crowd numbers. Over 100,000 people for two... 103,000. Two basketball games uh, in a football stadium over three days. Um, have you seen anything like that? That's phenomenal. No, no, nothing like that. And uh, by, by the um, reporting of the of the event, or the negative reporting hmm. of the event, I don't think we'll see it again. No. Which is a, which is a shame, because uh, so much negativity that's outweighed uh, Australia beating the USA for the first time ever. Ever. Like, Ever. Ever. It's, it's just the whole seating arrangements and that just really put a dampener on what was a Paddy Mills masterclass oh. in that last quarter. And I was watching it there and you know, nearly, n- nearly tears in the eyes moment. Yeah. I just couldn't believe it was happening. And when, when he shot the three-pointer, the went in off, yeah. the, off the backboard. Yeah, the bank. And uh, <clears throat> as for basketball fans uh, uh, out there, if uh, he, wasn't, he didn't mean to do that, <laughs> that, that means that uh, luck was on our side. He yeah. had the cross-low numbers that night. It was... We, we, <laughs> When that went in off the glass, it was like, yeah, oh, we, we've won. Nine they're, they're, they're not winning this, yeah, that the was, Americans. That was unbelievable. Oh, I couldn't. And it was something special. that Those last five minutes too, and John, I mean, shout out to John Casey. I sent him a text message straight after mm-hmm. that game. I just said, mate, to be in the center of you know that call, that's one of the most incredible things you'll be a part of. Like, well done. You served those moments of history justice. Um, and He's the, the best basketball commentator I've oh, ever, oh, heard, ever heard. Absolutely. Oh, well, not... Ever? Ever. Australian caller, yes. I like some of the American guys. Marv Albert's pretty good. Um, nonetheless. Well, Marv John- Albert got to commentate Michael Jordan, so. <laughs> <laughs> Probably helps the highlight reel, doesn't it? Um, speaking, um, though, of all these games and the incredible, 
um, nature of how it sort of came about, you know, the Paddy Mills just finishing so strong. What unfortunately happened at the same time was the negative taste around, you know, the seating situation, the the plastic seating all along the ground. Um, it's a football stadium, you're not going to please everyone's view if you're all sitting on the ground, but people were saying there should have been more elevation, it should have been set up smarter and better. Um, would you agree with that? Did you think they could have picked a better venue or was it purely a marketing thing where they just wanted to squeeze as many eyeballs in there as possible? Well, my point of view is, okay, you can you, you can go two ways. You can have it at a basketball purpose venue, which would have been Rod Laver Arena or Sydney Superdome or yep. somewhere like that, where you could have got 15,000, 17,000. But then the tickets would have been astronomical yeah. because they would have had to make they would have you have, you have to make money you have to pay for mm. everyone to come out and the whole box and dice so the the negative story then would have been oh joe, uh, average joe and average mrs joe and the two kids can't go because it's 3000 yeah. 3500 <laughs> a seat yeah but then if you're in in the venue you would have a perfect view mm. Okay, so let's let let's think out of the box. Let's take it a Marvel Stadium, like uh, put it in the middle of a footy ground, mm. and have fifty thousand, you know, over a hundred thousand for two games. Like you're kidding yourself if you're going to buy a ticket to a basketball game at a football stadium <laughs> and think you're going to have the best seat in the house. Like, yes, I do understand that. You know, the guys, were, the people were sitting on the plastic Bunnings chairs yep. at, at the zip back, zip tied together, zip tied together, and you know, staring at someone's head. But, you know, yes, I get that. But when you buy your tickets, like, do some physics. Do some physics about it. Like, you, you got to know the court The court had to be raised. It, mm. and they can't play on the grass. No, they can't play the on the Marvel grass. Marvel Stadium grass is a farce anyway. So, you, <laughs> so it had well, to be... probably wouldn't have been so bad. The ball would have bounced pretty easily. <laughs> so, so, the, so the court had to get raised for a spring-loaded ring. Yep. And then the, the seats were always going to be at ground level. So you're always going to be below the court anyway. So... If if I went, if I had the opportunity to go, I, I wouldn't have even gone near those seats. There are some like, people. Yes, it was closer to the action, mm. but you got to go up in the actual yeah. grandstands to actually look down on the action. That's right. I I know someone uh, who who went, and he said it was absolutely deplorable for his experience. He 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 hated it because he couldn't see a thing. He had to stand up, walk around, find a find somewhere to see the game. Because and you know the big screens are all good and well, but. He, he didn't enjoy it at all, and that's really sad. And unfortunately, a lot of reports, I mean, Russell Crowe run, led, the, led the charge on Twitter. He's been, you know, the face of, I suppose, this um, argument, but it's not all his fault. Everyone else has had, there's been a lot of other people with the same same view. So it begs a question, you know, would it ever happen again? Probably not. Probably not, which is what you were saying. You know, we probably won't see this sort of exhibition like at a football stadium again yeah which is which is a big shame because um in the in the weeks leading up to the tokyo olympics next year there was talk that the the usa was going to come back to play australia again and there were in basketball australia were in talks to get you know a couple of other big powerhouse countries you know to have like a four team oh, wow. t- tournament type deal and leading into the olympics you will get yeah. the usa team so I love that if that's if if that's still a possibility, then you you'll definitely see that that'll be in a basketball purpose venue, and the tickets will be through the roof, and people will have a whinge again. But wow. well, would have people yeah. whinged? Would have people whinged if they were sitting there? If I was sitting behind you, because yep. you're way taller than me, and <laughs> yes. I can see the back of your head. Yep. But if Kevin Durant, and LeBron James is running around the court, mm. would they have whinged? I don't know. Probably not. 
No, yeah, you make a fair point because everyone did whinge about a lot of things going into the lead-up. No mm. Ben Simmons. Now we've got no LeBron, no Curry mm. and Harden and George and et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, oh, we're playing a fifth-string NBA-like side against, you know, Australia's best. And, you know, that's all good and well. But, you know, it could be so much better. There could be so much more. There was so much if-whats, imagine-if-this. And it was it was a little bit, you know, disheartening to hear it all. But once it got underway, I was just pumped for it to get started. Funny for me, this was this is just a real, I don't know, personal taste. But the, the camera work, they shot it from the broadcast spot for the actual, like the, the television um, broadcast spot for footy in the actual grandstand. I would have thought they'd set up a camera a little bit closer to the court part way up so, you know, you can get a bit of a view. You might block some people behind you. you have to, no, whatever. But <laughs> they I didn't want to block anyone. Yeah, it gives us stuff. You have to just take some, you know, a few thousand seats out behind you just so the TV angle can actually look a little bit more professional because when, when you look on telly, it was just a big, long court. And all you could see was sort of the players' side on. It didn't feel like you are above them. It felt a bit weird. It was a strange broadcast television experience. Uh, I didn't mind the, the broadcast view because that sort of a, a sort of looked like a video game. It did almost, didn't it? View. NBA so, Jam so, like. So I was used to that because I've played thousands of hours of, of that type, type of view. But uh, yeah, so it's interesting you say uh, the, the broadcast view was bad and there was people seeing... Yeah, thought it was good. Could, could, couldn't see a thing at all. Yeah, yeah, people on true. TV reckon that the <laughs> angle was pretty bad. But that goes to show how raised the court was. Because that was mm. the footy cameras, and when you watch the footy on TV from yeah. Marvel Stadium, like you're really looking down down on. But that was that's how much the court mm. was raised because you know that's FIBA standards. That's uh, unbelievable. All right, well we'll talk about this a little bit more in parcel fast because something we want to touch on with that mm. very shortly. Um, before we go into our, our favourite segment. What about the sandfall? Let's move into footy just quickly one more time. There's an interesting situation with the sandfall right yes. now. Um, and we spoke about this on the press box a few weeks back in regards to player eligibility for finals. Now, both the Crows and Power aren't in the finals, so this makes things, in the AFL that is, so this makes things very interesting. It does, and um, Port Adelaide actually play Adelaide in the qualifying final this week uh, at Adelaide Oval. Saturday night too, so it's a good double header. So uh, Norwood play Sturt in the elimination final at uh, 3.30, I think it is, Yep. and then Port Adelaide play Adelaide at... Seven o'clock, so it's a perfect night. There's no excuse, Wonderful. no excuse. You got no, uh, <laughs> no AFL on the TV, no, no power, no crows. No excuse to, uh, to not be at Adelaide Oval on, mm. uh, on Saturday night if you're a Nord, Sturt, Port, or Crows fan. So that, that's so that's everyone in the state. So let's look at this situation. Port Adelaide has 20 qualified AFL listed players to play in the Sandful. The Crows have 18 options. Um, and the two sides are capped at 17 yeah, AFL players for the finals play. yeah. each. So um, that's that's a fascinating situation um, right there because we, we talked about this last week. Um, to be eligible, players have to have appeared in the Sandful um, for more games in the Sandful than the AFL games uh, throughout the year. And for these two teams in particular, Port and the Crows, they have to have at least played three games since June 30 in the Sandful. So they've really, really uh, put the, the rules pretty strict on them. Um, and then some of the names that aren't included in the Crows and Power list, at uh, the Crows and Magpies lists now, eligibility-wise, is uh, it, it's pretty scarce for, for star power. Yeah, so um, the two big ones for Port Adelaide, uh, Dougal Howard and Stephen Motlop, pretty much mm. played the back half of the season in the Sandful, but they 
aren't qualified, so they won't be out there. And then the other and the two big names for the Crows are obviously Bryce Gibbs and Hugh Greenwood, who you would think, oh. as a footy fan, yeah. you th- you thought that they played there the whole year, mm. like. Like I looked up Stephen Motlop, for example, played fourteen games, AFL mm. games this year. That's right. It felt like he played five. So why? What? And this is this is the bit that just really irks me. It's the whole playing three games after June thirty. Why is and, that and date all, even a thing? But, like, but but the funny thing about that rule is those four players that I mentioned tickle tick that box. So does they have they've just played more? Oh, serious AFL than, than oh for goodness sake than SANFL. So, so that's even more bizarre again. Yeah, so because I understand I'm, the situation, if you've played more um, AFL games, that's fair enough. But if you've played more sample games, but what if it's like a ten nine type deal? Like, surely mm. it, it's got to be, it's got to be more. Like, if you've you have put, to play at least eight sample games or something for the year to qualify. Well, if someone like say Dougal Howe, for example, has played say two thirds of the year mm. and then gets dropped, yep. and he plays the last six seven games mm. in the sample. It's not like it's you know, yeah, it's Charlie a, it's, Dixon yeah, it's coming a back in. Superstar, that's right. So it's it's a weird one, but uh, I think the SANFL sort of made it. Uh, so the uh, well, let's just say the other clubs. Yeah, uh, they they say it's a, for a fighting chance, but uh, I reckon it actually gives gives Glenelg and Sturt Nord an advantage. Well, it certainly does. Now they're now they're basically well ahead and should should go on and win uh, the lot one of the sample sides because depleted sort of um, AFL reserve like sides, I suppose you can put it. Um, it just it sort of weakens the finals a bit. You want to have good players mm. back there playing against the rest, and I think the opposition want to be challenged. And the other thing is too, like yeah, Port have twenty qualified, mm. only seventeen can play, but then. You don't know if you know someone like a Peter Adams is is qualified, but you don't know if you know he's had a got a niggle or something like that. And then, then, you know Kenny might want to put him out to surgery, or you know <laughs> the the you know same on the other side with with the Crows, for example. Like Sam Jacobs is qualified, but he's he hasn't got a contract, so is he going to run out on Saturday <laughs> night thinking I can nah. potentially get injured here yeah. and point? and ruin my career? So w- 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 would he? Play? No. Probably not. Absolutely so, not. Not like so the names are there and you're like, oh well, that that's a pretty strong team, but you, you look at that list and not everyone on that list is, is, is gonna run out either. So it'll be interesting to see who, who runs out. But uh I think uh if I was a Glenelg fan I would be very happy because I'm gonna play either Port or the Crows in the second semi final and they they're gonna win that comfortably and go straight through to the grand final. Tip tip for the lot. I reckon Glenelg's got to win the lot, surely. It's Glenelg's to lose. Yeah, it is. That's right. That's and it. that's not coming from a Port Adelaide, you know, hate Glenelg standpoint. They've yeah. been the best team all year and they they deserve they deserve to be favourites and, uh, yeah, they should be in the grand final for sure. Certainly will be. Okay, we would usually at this time in the show, folks, get on to doing our Root of the Week segment, which we do love. Unfortunately, the bad news to that is... Jace isn't here, so that's one uh, cross oh, into the box. Geez. The other cross into the box is mm. footy's finished, <laughs> <laughs> so there's nothing to report on yet. Well, the uh, the mighty Campbell's Creek uh, Magpies uh, in the Matthew Delavadova yeah, Footy League region. Well, that was last round was last 
was a week ago. So they're they're in the finals now. So all the all the scores are a bit a bit tighter than uh, than the four hundred point margin. So so, uh, so what we're dealing with now is um oh, I just we'll have to look at other sports, won't we? Mm. To look at some other sport, and maybe you can send us in any uh, any root of the week contenders. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Of course, now it's time for the almighty pass or fast. Can we get an ironing board out there on the sideline? Absolutely farcical. It's farcical. 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 We're playing out of farce. That sounds farcical. It's a bit of a farce. It's a disgrace. You know what's great about this? Warren Trudeau's already in our pass or fast. <laughs> we don't even need to put him in there because he's already there. There. Him, him saying fast. <laughs> Just on before, our show was one of the highlights of the year for me. If I can illustrate to everyone listening, <laughs> Dale actually put his hands up in the air, showed a Freddy style, like full <laughs> staff pointing fingers, Mick Jagger like. When when uh, Treaders says the word fast, he's Treaders is trying to keep him keep instead with what he's talking about. <laughs> and this man over here celebrating in his chair. It was just a, it was absolute uh, shambles. <laughs> Treaders looked at me a bit puzzled. Man. Why are you uh, why are you doing it like a a dance? Yeah. That's <laughs> why we need to explain it to him. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, first one uh, straight on to the mighty boomers. Uh, oh yes, beat America, beat beat out. Um, whipping boys, the American. Oh, whipping. <laughs> what one out of seventy odd games, or whatever it was. But uh, after the result, can the Boomers win the lot? Can the Boomers be FIBA World Cup champions? Pass or fast? Oh yeah, pass for sure. They can. They can do the lot. Um, I'd love them to do the lot. I think everyone is riding on them now. Once we, once we got that win, the belief started. Every every mm. basketball fan in Australia, true basketball fan in Australia, who you know has a real invested interest, um, really was so pumped for that result because it finally meant we're not dreaming anymore. We're actually, it's actually real. There's a possibility that we can do it. We've overcome any fears, um, overcome any hurdles. It's it's now time. We're ready. We can do it. Let's go all the way. If we can beat Team USA. We can beat anyone, and that might be a, a bit of a um, generalisation, but in a sense, it's true. Farce. Okay. Farce. I, I, I don't think we can win it, uh, purely for the fact of the matter is, yes, we've beaten Team USA. I reckon that was probably the worst time to beat them, just before World Cup. A, it kicks them in the backside. It does. <laughs> for one. Fire, hope, woken the beast. Two, Every other country that we play against now are going to come out just that little bit harder mm. going, oh, we're playing against a team that beat America. Mm. So every 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 game at a World Cup is is hard as it is. Now it's going to be even harder. Yeah. The Boomers, I don't think, can play the favourite tag pretty good. Like no, in, we're in, not front in, runners. In, in, in Rio... We knocked Serbia off in the pools, mm. pool section, and then fronted up against Serbia in the semis and just had to win that game to get to the gold medal game. And we'd, we, we'd beaten them before. We'd beaten them four days earlier yeah, yeah. and then lost by 30 points. Yeah, like 35-point turnaround or something. But, oh, yeah, it's it's a farce. We, we we play way better as the underdog, and that's fair. I mean, we've mm. always wanted to be the underdog because we love it and we, we sort of thrive off it. But, yeah, I think if you put that into perspective there, the fact if we were to take any favourite tag anywhere, we might fall behind a little bit. So I, I can see that, but I'd love to think that we've crossed that first hurdle. Now it's time to just make our mark for good on the world stage. The, the head says farce. 
the, the heart says pass. Yeah, that's right. And I'm hoping <laughs> that maybe that result will 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 obviously just nullify that mm. uh, that fav- favoritism tag, and <laughs> yeah. uh, they can they can go all the way. But uh, sticking on the hoop hoops thing, sure. Paddy Mills, I, I did tweet. Uh, for the two followers that I have <laughs> that, that read it, go and follow Dale. Uh, Paddy Mills for Prime Minister after that uh, <laughs> after that final quarter effort, and d- he ticks all the boxes too, just quietly. Yeah. Paddy um, is Paddy Mills the greatest ever Australian basketballer? Pass or farce? Goodness me! Um, no, that's that's got to be a farce. Um, Andrew Gaze is clearly still our most loved. At the moment, I, I think he's still got enough cred to, to suggest he's he's probably one of our greatest. Yeah, I don't get- know if Paddy Mills has <sighs> clipsed him. Or, or might do with NBA games, and he's got a ring, hasn't he? Yeah, so he, oh, God, oh, no, know. this is just Gaze's for got Australia. a ring, hasn't he? Gaze's got a yeah, Gaze, but for the same club as well. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I reckon it's a pass. I wow. reckon, I reckon it's, and uh, I'm even putting um, Lauren Jackson into this conversation. Oh, okay, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so the. Gr- I was, did oh, have you said greatest, greatest boomer, 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 so that doesn't. That's but, not but I'm so I'm going. I'm changing it. The greatest ever Australian basketballer. basketballer. He's got to be. He's the he's the only person to score thirty points against America individually twice ever. Mm. Uh, it, it, touch wood. He'll be a four <laughs> time Olympian next year. Yep. Should have. Well, you've just said uh, World Cup gold medal. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. And could have an Olympic gold medal. So if he ticks those two, then definitely. But I think that last quarter alone just just gets him over there. I know it was an exhibition game and stuff like that, yeah. but geez, Paddy Mills, geez, I'm in love with him at the it, minute. Yeah, I think we all have a bit of a, a bit of a love for him right now. But if you're saying best Australian basketballer ever, then I'd definitely change my vote. Lauren Jackson has ticked every box yeah, she and has. more so far. She has. So I don't and think, the, oh yeah, well, yeah, I don't think Paddy eclipses her at all. Yeah, probably not yet. It's probably it, it's. He'd be getting on the podium. He's on the podium. Yeah, he's definitely on the podium. But uh, if uh, Paddy, if you lead us to a couple of golds <laughs> in the next twelve months, mate, woo, number Ooh. one spot's yours for the taking. Yep, yep. Radio. Um, now it's, it's. I I hate I hate this one, but I have to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Was Ben Stokes's innings? Yes. Last night. Yes. The greatest test match innings. Ever. Oh, freaking hell. Uh, oh, it's right up there. It's is r- it? It, it? I watched it. It was incredible. I think it's... Before I say pass or fast, watching it live, there was a lot of disbelief of what he was doing. When you watch it the next day, you know England won. You go, sheesh, that's incredible. Wonder how it happened. You watch it back and you go, geez, he's hitting them pretty well. You don't actually get the same sense of what it was like to be in that moment. Everything's riding on this current ball. The ball's coming down at him, and he just starts shuffling around in the crease, doing reverse sweeps. He's paddling things. He's smoking them over fielders on the rope, you know, by a meter or two. The the risks that he was taking for for a good, especially that last wicket, especially, were incredible. And the fact he went from gear one, which was zero off about 50 balls at one point to three off about 70 and then started to slowly get into it and then build a partnership with Johnny Bairstow and then went on to do what he did with the tailenders and Jack Leach. I mean, it was something to behold. It was it was a very, very well-crafted innings. One that will go down in the history books. I, I will say 
pass to oh. on the podium. It's I don't I don't I, you'd have to weigh up a few others. I don't know if it's the best ever, but like Brian Lara's four hundred is insane. Um, a few other bits and pieces like that, but this meaning the meaning behind this test and where they came from sixty seven all out mm. sixty seven all out and they chased down three sixty off. I mean that takes and he basically did it like the the back half of this innings or the last the back two thirds of this innings was all off his bat. So uh, all class literally, yeah, all class. I actually think no, it's a farce for mine. Okay. Everything's a farce. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when it comes to English cricket, it's a farce. The hitting, yes, was good at the end, but did he just have a clear mind? Did he just think, oh, it's over, I'm just going to have a swing here? No. And, and, and It was and, so calculated. But, but then when a few started to hit the middle, mm. that's when the belief came. Mm. But... Oh, in the moment, nah. yeah, I think you had to watch it in the moment. The, the I actually think his first hundred balls... Mm were more important than his last 100 balls he oh, they were, Well, they were just as important. I think the back... It's purely because there was 76 to win with Jack Leach, at Leach coming to the crease. And we know he wasn't going to be there to make a whole lot of runs. So it was... If you don't make 70 runs, Ben, it's it's all on you and the game's over. So And the Ashes goes to Australia. So for him, it was, I'm here to play my game. I'm going to do what I know best and how I feel I best play. And I'm going to take him on. It's the only way I can win this. So he did it and... He judged every ball on its merits, and he did it almost flawlessly. It was a drop catch and an LBW call against him, which oh, was could, have, could have basically gone the out. other way. That's right. <laughs> so it was just a, it was unbelievable Marcus how he went Harris, about it. Geez. Pretty stiff. Tough catch. Ban- Bancroft would have caught it. Oh, <laughs> that's a farce. <laughs> righty enough of Ben Stokes. He's had enough airtime. Got a bloody World Cup Bancroft. and winning, winning Ashes test. And yeah, enough of Ben Stokes. Get stuff, Ben Stokes. <laughs> righty enough of you, Ben Stokes. Um, moving on. No, no AFL this week. Unfortunately, we got to uh, watch yeah, the what, watch the AFLX Witten farce. Oh, that's if far. That is a huge farce. <laughs> Speaking of farces. Yeah. But uh, Geelong, Cats, minor premiers, well done. Uh, get the McClellan Trophy or whatever, yeah, or whatever it is, well done. But, do you actually um, get a trophy for that? You do, McClellan do you? Trophy. So the Crows have got a McClellan Trophy in there yeah. three years ago. Yes. Nice. Port, Port have three. Oh, good for you. Yeah. We've got, we got a couple. Yeah. yeah, it was very good. <laughs> um, but, uh, I don't Ge- know what it looks like. D- it's just a cup. Yeah, it's just good. a drinking cup. Well, yeah, why not? <laughs> Especially if you're going to have a week off before the finals. You'd be, have to be able to drink out yeah, of it. fair enough. Um, but, so, if you finish top, mm. you get a home final. Of course you do. But the Geelong have to play their home finals at the MCG. So, should the Cats have the option to play their finals at whatever they call their stadium? <laughs> yeah, Alpha, Alphabet Stadium right now, <laughs> Cadinia Park. Should they have the option? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the people that say... Because they're a Victorian team, bad luck, you have to play your home finals at the MCG. I say no to that. I say also no to the teams that unfortunately have games at home games at Marvel Stadium have to play at the MCG, their finals there, because these are opted grounds for their home grounds, for their home games. And, and Geelong's specifically different because clearly they're playing at a ground completely different to the two Docklands and the MCG, the city ones. So. Um, for me, I think Geelong has such different specs to the MCG. It's got very 
um, different. Uh, weather's always different too. I mean, the wind's always different. All, all sorts of different different aspects to it. The, just the general fact that you can play on your own home ground that you've played at every game for the entire year. You train there every game, just like any other home team would at their home ground. You got to play. You got to play at your ground. So this is your designated home ground for game days for the for the premiership season. You get the opportunity. Especially for, especially elimination and qualifying finals, and even semis. Once you get the prelims, I reckon well, you can't you take change it. the rules. You can't change the rules like that. No, I, I would, I would um, allow if the AFL stepped in and said, you, by the preliminary finals, if you're playing in Victoria, you play at the G. I think that would be fair. Oh, that sort of goes back to the 2004 when they made Brisbane play in the play at the MCG. That old rule when they were the home team. Did they play at the MCG? Yeah, they had to give, home team. give away the, the Gabba. No, nah, that's cooked. No, nah, you can't do that. If they're the home team, you play there. But if if you're a Victorian team by prelim final, I would say, just mm. personal taste, I'd say, no, nah, take it to the G now. Yeah. Anyway, well, absolute it, fast that the, the Geelong can't play at Cadinia Park. Yeah, no, it is a fast. They should be playing uh, at Cadinia Park. And I actually think, you know, obviously they're playing Collingwood, so it's going to be a huge, 100,000. It's going to be 100,000, but a uh, good stat for mine is Geelong hasn't played Collingwood in Geelong since the 1998. No. They haven't. Seriously. So so, they, so they've oh. sold their home wow. games to the G to make more money in the regular season. Yeah, right. For 20 years. Oh, oh they've chosen to do that. They've chosen to do oh, that. Oh, well, that's different. So you can't come back now and say, oh, we want home ground advantage, because for 20 years, <laughs> you've sold your you've home ground advantage. Up. So that's a very different line, yeah. And why wouldn't you want to play big finals on the MCG? Like- I suppose everyone looks forward to it, but I see this as well as, gee, you've earned an opportunity to qualify for the big. This is your, you've finished top, so you've earned a chance to have an advantage over your opposition, and you're going to play another team who's also got the advantage of having a double chance. So, being first or fourth or second or third, you know, if you're the home team, you need your advantage still over that opposition. So, what is that? It's your home ground. Not the MCG. Just because you're in Victoria doesn't mean you get to play in the biggest ground for fun. Like you get a, you got to earn earn your stripes coming first or second, and and you get what you deserve. So mm. I, I feel pretty bad for them. But once you get to the back end of the finals, I can understand it a bit more because it doesn't matter who you are. You you know, you're finally there. So you know, have a crack on the big stage before the big dance. The, the other farce about this for mine is if the Cats were playing Port mm. or Fremantle, yep, or GWS, mm-hmm. it would be at the Cattery, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Would. Because they wouldn't want 30,000 in 100,000 seats. You're they? spot on. So, <laughs> how many sets of rules do the oh. AFL want? Jeez. Yep. yep. Farce. That's <laughs> one word to describe the whole thing. Beautiful. Right. Uh, now, last one. Uh, it's Mad Monday. It's traditionally Mad Monday for 10 clubs now. Yes. Yep. Today, Mad Monday. Yep. Um, it'll be, uh, what, that's about 400... Players. Well, let's hope the Port and Crows are Sanford qualified players <laughs> on a Mad Monday. But there's probably about, say, 350 footballers at the moment mm-hmm. that uh, probably shouldn't be driving. Yeah. Stay <laughs> <laughs> the road. But uh, my man, my coach, Kane Corns. Your co- yeah, your training coach. My running coach, Kane. And we'll, we'll finish off with a bit of City Debate because yeah, we haven't... Have well, did an update well, on that. Yeah, we, we, yeah so we'll, we'll do, Kane. But... Uh, First of all, Kane Corns' hatred of Mad Monday. He has a hate for it. 
He hates the co- hates everything about it. Costumes. Uh, There's a tweet today. You know, he had oh. uh, Isaac Rankin and Jack Lacocious were dressed up. Yeah. And it was like, well, what's wrong with that? His tweet was, you know, what have you done? You won two, three games for oh. the whole year. You, you know, well, why are you dressing up, acting oh, like? Oh dear. You know. Yeah. It was so 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 dressing. There, yeah. Yeah. So just me- dressing up, for, dressing up for Mad Monday. Pass or fuss? That, that is. That is, well, dressing up for Mad Monday is great, pass. But Kane Corn's opinion against it was he questioning their professionalism because they can't win a couple of games of footy that they don't deserve the opportunity to have some fun at the end of the season. Oh, that bugger that off! Seriously, yeah. yeah well, why can't, I mean, how is any culture in a football club or any club, any any sporting, or not even that, just a culture in any workplace or within a group of friends? How is that meant to blossom if you can't have fun at some point? And at the end of the season, when it's all done and dusted, and you're fur- you're the furthest away from any more football at any point. This is the this is the day after the end of the year where you've got the maximum amount of time before preseason and the season starting next year. You can't have a piss up, please. <laughs> I mean, this is the one time you get a chance to do it. I understand if you're doing it at Christmas time or something, but not if- Mad well, Monday. They- <laughs> absolutely, go your hardest, boys. Yeah, come on, Kane. No, have a have a bit of fun, Kane. Like seriously, um, yeah, fast. Like <laughs> seriously, like I can tell you right now, mate. Uh, uh, after I win, <laughs> yes, here we go. after I win <laughs> this city to bay bet, you're not going to like his behaviour. And, <laughs> and I and I'm will win some uh, some um, free drinks. Uh, free drinks. Jeez, um, <laughs> I'm. Oh, you're going to be best oh, on ground. That's what I you're don't know be. what I'm going to dress up yeah, in. Yeah, oh dear. <laughs> but uh, nah, fast. But oh, uh, yeah. yes. But uh, when, now, where's um? Oh, is that it? That's that's pass fast. That is pass. That's it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's no, we got to end on that. All right, sure. all right. Well, but yeah, no, um, yeah. We'll need. We'll need. Should we um? Now, now, Jace had a big week, didn't he? He did have a big week. He, he did have a a live cross. He did have a live cross, actually. He, um, His first ever live cross. I was actually going to congratulate and, him tonight. And, and, and if you didn't see it on the TV, everyone saw yeah. it because he <laughs> he talked about my gym selfies. Jeez, yeah. what about the me, me, me? Oh, I, I loved I, it. I stood live for two seconds and said five words. <laughs> oh, give that to me. I reckon. That's a bit harsh. I reckon. We, cold call him and see if we can do a live cross. We're going to do a live call. Yeah. We're going to do a live cross to Jace Kemp. Right now, because he's, he's supposed to be, he's supposed to be. Oh, I'm too tired. I'm sleeping. If he picks up, oh, faster the year. Oh God! All right, let, well, let's dial his number. <laughs> We're actually going to do a live cross to Jay's camp, away from the studio, just to congratulate him on his live cross. Okay, here we go. Come on, Jace. Hi, you've reached Jace. Unfortunately, I can't come to the phone right now, but if you leave your name and number, I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Thanks. Oh, Jace. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on, mate. That is, that's just oh, deplorable. Bad, oh, bad luck. You don't get a, we're not going to leave you a message. You get stuffed. Uh, no, <laughs> time to uh, time to do our foot. Well, there's no more footy. We're finals. No, nah, there's footy. No, Sample. Oh, Sample footy. All right. Sample. We've got two games. All right. It's, a bit, it's the big one. Your yep. boys against my boys. The Crows and Magpies. Prison bars. Uh, Crows. Crows should win it. Nah, ma- ma- Port Adelaide Magpies. Will they? Oh, yes. <laughs> You're confident. Yes. All right, Sturt North. Uh, Sturt Norwood, sorry. Sturt Norwood. North of no win. The no, no, no. <laughs> Rock no. bottom. Nah, but uh, they have a, they're the reigning premier, so that, that, that 
doesn't matter. They, they won it last year. So if, if if my team had to win the flag yep. and then miss the finals the next year because of it, oh, I'd be all for it. All right. Um, <laughs> but uh, ooh, Sturt. Sturt. Yeah. Uh, well, they just beat Glenelg, so yeah, yeah. No, they they had some good form and they they did keep them out. Um, I'll always like Norwood at the back half of the year. I always back them in because they are they are they know how to get to the finals and play well. Sturt similar though. They've done the last couple of years, so I would. Um, this is gonna be a great game nonetheless. So I'll I'll back in Norwood. The winner of this game will play Glenelg in the grand final. Bang. Either one would be brilliant. Either one would be mm. absolutely magnificent. Um, don't expect Crows or Port to be there, though. No. No, they shouldn't get to the very no, end. No, no. Be but, a bit of a shame. But the multi for mine would be uh, Port Adelaide into Sturt. That's probably the easiest one. But... All right. Well, if you're interested in putting on a sample multi, yes. there it is, your two-league uh, sample multi on the same day. All right, mate. Well, that's, uh, that's just about it for us. We're uh, we're done. That's, how good's that show with uh, Warren Trudray, though? Um, he was good. Gives us a fair bit Very good. He, he, he's the reason why the third best day of my life... <laughs> 2004. It was the first. It was the first day, but he's just been knocked knocked off. What, a couple what of happened? Runs. It was two days. Well, I got married and had a, had a, a son. Oh, so oh, that's a bit. <laughs> but have, what about? Hang on. What yeah. about? Uh, Jace isn't here, so he yes. can't tell lies about his no. running training. But running training oh, quickly. It's, it's it's not going flash. <laughs> it's, it's I'll tell you what. Minimal. Last week's episode was 18.56 kilometers. That, and and can I just say, very big apology to everyone out there who had to. Con- uh, Put up with our almost two hours worth of of, our, of rubbish. Um, <laughs> I suppose it was almost a feature film length. I looked up at my phone at one point, having a little listen back at one point, uh, going for a small jog, and I uh, went, "Oh dear, there's a small jog. There's, a, there's more Nothing than small about the run." I gee whiz. Are you having a big run? Well, I ran through the whole last episode. It was eighteen point eighteen point five six kilometres. Well, I can assure you, thankfully, this one is a little bit shorter. Thank you so much for everyone tuning in once again to the press box. We always love your company. We'll be back with Jace Kemp next week, maybe. and uh, and maybe yeah, and plenty more on the press box as always. <laughs>